Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5-1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. The Big Show, Jake Scott, Pete's Dragon with you here on 97.5. Are you having fun over there? Are you having fun? Or a lot of green today. (laughs) I do. I feel like Wally Gator over here. Oh man, of course, Gordon Monson, and and you know we're just teasing you, right? You you, no, I, I, I felt looked, bad during the break. You're like, oh, I did wear too I much green. We my, don't care. I just looked at my reflection in the computer, and yeah, that's too much green. My wife would have told me that if she'd seen that. There's a lot of green. There. <laughs> <laughs> but you're wearing your master's hat, which is cool. It's from the year 2000. But the 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 like almost fluorescent green of the the outline of the United States. You know what I'm talking yeah, about? Or yeah, like the uh-huh. and and your your very loud sweatshirt are basically the same color. Yeah. Anywho. That, that was done on purpose. Uh, let's get from fashion advice to uh, <laughs> basketball effort expertise. Let's get out to the Sprint special guest line. Lease any phone. Get an iPad or Samsung Tab A for ninety nine ninety nine. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. From Basketball Insiders, he's our good friend Steve Kyler. What's up, Steve? How are you? I am well, fellas. How are you? Good, good. Have you ever been bold enough to go with green on green attire? <laughs> Because I, I feel I like... I know that I could pull off the Joker look. I, I don't think I could do that. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'm looking at the Grinch. <laughs> it is. It was too much, Steve. I made a mistake. I made a wardrobe mistake this morning. <laughs> and I've been paying for it all show long. <laughs> yeah, that's the beautiful part of having a partner is he's not going to let you go on that. Yeah. You're going to that one for a good couple of days. Uh, and we, we still have, uh, let's see here, what, three more hours to go, Steve. So, you know, it's a good day. It's a good day. Uh, Gordon and I were just talking about this off the air, Steve. What, what kind of trade deadline are we in store for? Because right now it does feel a little quiet. Well, a little bit. I mean, I, I it's it, – we always look at the trade deadline like, wow, these big names are going to get moved. And when you look at kind of the history of the trade deadline, it almost never plays out that way. There's a lot of discussion, and I think we're going to hear a lot of discussion about guys like D'Angelo Russell. But usually the deals that get done are like the Marcus Morris-type deals where it's, it's stuff around the edges. Teams generally, it's very hard to pull off the middle-of-the-roster type trades where you're, where you're trading – you know, real players because every team is kind of up against, you know, salary cap and luxury tax kind of issues that limit what they can do. And then you're also talking about just roster flexibility. It's really hard to do like those one for three trades that you can do a little bit in the summer because you've got open roster spots. You can trade off excess. So it's hard to really construct these big trades that, that basically impact the star level players. It's usually transactional cleaning up the bench, you know, teams selling off guys that are, are ending contracts, you know, teams that are in the hunt, bolstering their chance to be in the hunt. That's usually what it is. It's usually 12 to 15 transactions, and most of them are guys you can't spot in the lineup. I think we're going to see a couple of notable names that get moved in this. I do think Marcus Morris from the Knicks is going to ultimately get moved. Uh, it seems pretty clear that Robert Covington from the Minnesota Timberwolves is going to get moved. Uh, Clint Capella looks like he's on the way out in Houston. So those are the named 
players at this point that look more likely to be moved than others. But I think we're going to hear some interesting names. Like I said, I think you'll hear a lot about D'Angelo Russell. I think you're going to hear a lot about Andrew Wiggins. Um, you know, there's Miami guys that, that are going to be like uh, Dion Waiters that are going to get dangled in all of this. So I think we're going to hear some names, but I'm not sold at this point that those big names are going to get moved. Steve, what's your opinion on how long it takes a player to adapt to a new environment? And let me give you two examples right here with the Jazz. The first is Mike Conley, and this has been sort of a, a drawn-out process now, and the injury that he had didn't help in that regard. It seems to be taking him a while. On the other hand, Jordan Clarkson comes in, and he helped the Jazz almost immediately and has made a difference for them at the offensive end. What is your opinion on how long it typically takes? Well, I think a lot of it comes down to the role you were playing before you got there. You know, Mike Conley was the focal point of the Memphis Grizzlies. Everything they did flew through, you know, went through him in terms of the playmaking responsibilities. Certainly he was the guy that was taking clutch shots in the moment, and it was playing small to big with Marcus All. And it's a very different way he's being used in Utah. And certainly when you look at how Donovan Mitchell has played this year, you know, he's really come back and, and made himself that guy for the Jazz. And when you think about just how the Jazz play, it's a very different brand of basketball than Mike's used to. Um, and then you factor in the injuries. Then you flip to Jordan Clarkson. He was a six man. He's been a six man pretty much his entire career. He's been asked to come in and just be a spark off the bench and just be an instant offense type guy. And I think his game translates into being able to do that almost anywhere where Mike is really proving to be much more of a system guy. Uh, again, I think the injuries are a big factor in that, but I also look at what he's brought in the locker room and the way he's been as a leader. I don't think anybody in Utah feels like they didn't get a lot of value out of Mike Conley. They just haven't got the player yet on the court that they were expecting in Mike Conley. But the win-loss record's still been pretty good. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't rule out the idea that Mike Conley's name comes up in trade, but I don't think it comes up more in the deadline. Maybe it's something you look at more in the offseason. Uh, the Jazz seem like they're pretty comfortable with where they're at in this roster, uh, barring maybe what I'll call the tweak move at the deadline. What did you think about Donovan and Rudy both uh, being named to the All-Star team? I think it was fitting. You know, Donovan has certainly been that guy, and, you know, it's really been since Team USA. He's, he's taken himself and his game and his confidence to an entire different level. And I think for the last two years, Rudy was more than deserving. Like, it, it wasn't a question. It was kind of numbers and that centers don't usually get all-star votes. But, you know, look, he's a defensive player of the year guy every year. And this year he's been a very good offensive player. And usually offensive players get a lot more respect from the coaches. But he's become a very good two-way player in terms of just puts a lid on the rim. And he's an incredible scorer when he gets the basketball. He's been getting it a lot. And I think you could probably make a case for him last year, maybe even the year before. So probably do is a better way to talk about Rudy getting in. But I think it's a testament to the Jazz organization that they've got two all-stars in a Western Conference where most of the stars live these days. Examining those two players' trajectory towards stardom, do they have it in them to become, to follow the pattern of so many championship teams of the past having absolute ultra-star players leading to that end? Uh, the talk around here, the players talk about winning championships. That's what they've said publicly. 
are those guys good enough? Can they develop into the kinds of players that you have to have in order to meet that goal? Well, I, I certainly think Donovan Mitchell is because, you know, the way he plays, you know, the guards rule this league, and it is about being able to get to the bucket and create fouls and all the things that are the DNA of, of Donovan Mitchell. You know, Rudy is is a, certainly an, an elite defensive player, an elite defensive player. You know, can he be that guy, and can you play with him on the court in clutch playoff games when things are very different? And I think that's a wait to see. But, look, having an elite-level guard and an elite-level rim protector, those are great building blocks for a championship team. And I think that's where the guys like Mike Conley and Joe Ingles, and, you know, those are the guys that help you get there. It does seem like it takes three high-level players, so maybe there's a little more work to be done in all of this. But, you know, certainly when you're starting with those two guys, I think you're, you're way ahead of a lot of teams right now. Steve Kyler of Basketball Insiders with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Steve, I saw a report uh, that with the Houston Rockets, and you mentioned Clint Capella a little bit earlier, that uh, that uh, owner Tillman Fertitta has basically given Daryl Morey um, uh, all full rights to go into financial or basically not to have any financial restrictions, to do whatever it takes to make the team better. How much pressure is he under there in Houston? Uh, Daryl Morey, tremendous amount of pressure. I mean, when you think about all the stuff that went down in the summer and basically costing not only the Houston Rockets, probably hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue, but, you know, cost the NBA hundreds of millions, so much so that, you know, we're going to see a decrease in the projected salary cap and all kinds of crazy things on that front. So you've got that weighing on that you've made these moves to go get Russell Westbrook. You trade away Chris Paul. You've spent a lot of money. Um, you lock guys in, and you're in the middle of the pack in the Western Conference. So, you know, Daryl's not under long term. He was not brought in by Tillman Fertitta. You know, he was a holdover from previous ownership. He doesn't have the same personal history uh, that he had with Les Alexander, who really gave Daryl carte blanche. Daryl's had to answer a lot more questions about how he's doing things than he's ever had to do in Houston. And it's pretty clear that if Houston doesn't figure out a way to right this ship and get themselves into a championship hunt, that maybe the window is closed for this particular roster. And that's going to probably cost Daryl Morey's job. So you're talking about a trade deadline where everything's on the line for Houston in their front office. And I think you see that they're looking at things that maybe probably you wouldn't look if you had a lot of security. Uh, but look, the window to win a championship for every team is very small. And for, for Daryl Morey, you don't get to be in these jobs forever. Based on what you've seen thus far this season, if you were to pick a favorite from each of the conferences and then a dark horse from each of the conferences, which way would you go? Well, I think the favorites are, are still sitting kind of at the top. I mean, when you look at what the Lakers have become in the Western Conference, and they're likely going to get better. You know, we'll see if they trade a Kyle Kuzma here in the next 48 hours. Looks like they're at least exploring that. They're going to be the number one team in the buyout market. Looks like they'll get Darren Collison uh, just after the trade deadline. He'll sign with them as a free agent, and we'll see who else hits. You know, if Andre Iguodala hits as a buyout guy, then he's supposedly going to walk to the Lakers. So they're going to get better period. Um, but then I think in the Western Conference, look, I, we don't know what the Clippers really are. We just haven't seen enough 
you know, enough games with that entire roster together. I really like what Utah has done when you look at the tear that the Portland Trailblazers have been on, the way Damian Lillard has been playing. If he can keep that up, do they start to jump into the discussion pretty seriously? So I think there's three, four teams right there in the Western Conference that are ready to give a little bit of a challenge to the Lakers. And the Eastern Conference, it's one team all by itself. It's the Milwaukee Bucks. You know, I think the Celtics are good. Um, certainly, I think the Toronto Raptors have, have, you know, they haven't played a lot of great teams, but they won, you know, 10, 11 straight. They've been really, really good. Uh, but I don't think anybody's a move away from catching the Milwaukee Bucks in the East. So unless the Milwaukee Bucks have some injuries, I think they're probably the easiest one to pick in getting into the finals. But look, it's hard to do, and injuries are a factor. So for me, I, I think those are kind of the ones I really like what Toronto's been able to do in kind of building around Pascal Siakam and some of the guys that were the holdovers. So maybe Dark Horse, but, you know, the reigning champion, I don't know, is too much of a stretch. Speaking of the Raptors, what do you make of what's going on with the Knicks today firing Steve Mills, and would uh, Ujiri even consider going there? Well, I think Masai Ujiri is going to get paid silly money, period. You know, he's got one more year on his deal, and really in this business you need somebody else to kind of set the bar and what your next deal is going to look like. And, you know, even delivering a championship, you still have to negotiate these things. Uh, amusingly, the Toronto Raptors set the price on Masai Ujiri when he was in Denver, coming off of winning executive of the year, and the Denver Nuggets let him go to Toronto. It'll be interesting to see if Toronto lets him go to a New York Knicks offer that could be north of $100 million. And that's something James Dolan can do, and that's the beauty of, of owning the Knicks. So I think it's going to be an interesting summer uh, in in that regard. But I don't think Masai is all the way out the door, but I think he's going to get an offer that makes him look at it. All right, Steve. So let me uh, throw a question at you that we often talk about around here, but are interested in getting your thought on it. If you were examining an organization and you had three candidates to answer the question, who is the most important person in any pro franchise and the choices are owner gm or coach what who would you pick what order would you put them in well um, i would say gm because i think we've seen some really good gms with questionable owners make it work um but i'm going to tell you historically because of how hard it is at this level, you really need all three. You need at least ownership to buy into the vision of a general manager and empower. And then a GM and a coach have to be on the same page. Every time we've seen, and I'll use the Houston Rockets as a perfect example, you know, there have been times when Daryl Morey hasn't been on the same page as Mike D'Antoni, and you wonder why they couldn't close out a game six in the Western Conference Finals. That's when it matters. You've got to be in lockstep when it gets hard. And the difference between winning 60 games and winning 35 games is often those interpersonal connections. But I think it's pretty clear that if you've got short-sighted ownership or you've got an owner that's quick trigger or an owner that won't spend or an owner that's fixated on the wrong things, really, really hard to win in this league. I think if you've got a great owner – then you'll get a great general manager because general managers will work for great owners and then great GMs hire great coaches. And, you know, I think that's really where the, the blueprint is, but I don't think you can really win and win consistently unless you're good on all three fronts. Steve, thank you so much for jumping on with us as always. We really appreciate it. Keep up the good work. Anytime, fellas. Be well. Thanks, Steve. 
Steve Kyler from Basketball Insiders with us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. He you know, me- go ahead. I'm no, sorry. no, no, please. He mentioned the Jazz as a real force in the West. And uh, I think most people are sort of looking at the Lakers or the Clippers as being the front runner. But uh, he had the Jazz right there with him. We've got some things to figure out, but that hasn't that's that's nothing new. Because being elite in a really good Western conference is is not easy. And they've still got there's there's still a little meat left on that bone. Hmm. Yeah, there is. There's uh, well, I guess that's sort of what makes it compelling. Uh, because when the Warriors were great, we all picked the Warriors and nobody was gonna argue that. But now, I don't know. Uh, maybe folks around LA are uh, heavy on either the Clippers or the Lakers, but I'm not absolutely convinced about the Lakers. Are you? Um, <clears throat> no, not absolutely. I'm not. Uh, I will. I will admit that the LeBron Anthony Davis thing has worked out better than, than I thought it yeah. would, and I think a lot of that has to do with LeBron kind of uh, acquiescing a little bit to to Anthony Davis and making sure he's happy because he's a free agent at the end of the year, and I think that's actually worked. The the thing the 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 Lakers and the Clippers, for that matter, have going that the Jazz don't is that if it, everything breaks down, the Lakers still have LeBron. That's gonna that's gonna take over the game or beat your best player or whatever you want to say. And the Clippers still have Kawhi, and he and you can talk about that on both sides of the floor. I mean, LeBron's gonna guard. We we saw years ago. Uh, we saw when LeBron played uh, Golden State in the finals. LeBron LeBron was guarding Steph. So is Donovan even in the same area code? Not defensively. Offensively, maybe. And and he's getting there. I don't I don't know if he's there yet, but I mean, you know, the Lakers they can they can beat you a number of different ways. And if things break down, they still have the best player on the floor. You know, Rudy has been limited somewhat defensively uh, this past three or four games, and has been limited in the past offensively, like those series against Houston. You know, the difference between Rudy and LeBron is you can't do that to LeBron. Yeah, true. Schematically. That's impossible. You can't do that to Kawhi. And they're different types of players, they're different positions, but I, I think you understand what I'm getting yeah, at, that those teams have that, that the Jazz don't. Now, if the Jazz system is, is working perfectly, then they're really, really hard to beat. But when it all breaks down and you throw the coaching out the window and it's just give the ball to your best player and let him go win a series, do the Jazz have that? And in a playoff setting where every possession is so important or can be, there's no room for messing around. There's no room for, ah, uh, we're in a slump. Oh, uh, this is, you know, so-and-so is tired or whatever. No, you, you're going to be able to take advantage of those circumstances. And I think LeBron and Kawhi have both proved that they're capable right. of doing it. And not <clears throat> everybody has a player like those two players. There's only, you know... How many how many players would you put into that category, where they're on that level of and granted a real steep level, but Le- LeBron, well, Kawhi, I mean, who else are we well, even, even putting up there? Even the Greek Freak hasn't done that yet. Not he hasn't certainly hasn't won a title, hasn't yeah. been to a finals. Um, he's probably pretty close though. And really, that's about it. That's a short list. Who are we forgetting? I mean, it depends on how liberal you want to get, but I'm I'm not putting James Harden in there. No, no. Luka Doncic is probably pretty close. Heading in that direction, but not yet. Not yet, but... 
you know? So, I mean, there's a couple of those players in the league, and there's a reason why those players win the majority of the championships. And uh, so, hence you have the reason that Quinn Snyder preaches team stuff so much. Because he doesn't have one of yes, those guys. Yes, those he's got stars, but they're not. They haven't elevated to that level yet, and so they have to do it. Everybody who finds himself in this kind of situation always reflects back on what was it, two thousand and four, Pistons. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much the only example. It's slim pickings, right? But I guess it's possible. All right, we want to remind you, call Action Plumbing and get your furnace tune-up and safety check for 33 bucks. Call 801-833-3333, actionplumbing.net. The other team I'd actually throw into that that nobody does was the last Spurs championship, where Tim was not superstar level and Kawhi wasn't quite there yet. That was much more of a team concept championship. Yeah, it was, but they still had their, they had top level players who had won championships before. Right, but Tim Duncan wasn't at that level. Yeah, and Kawhi wasn't necessarily at the level he's at now. Ginobili and Parker. Yeah, but they were the good players, but they're not at the level we're talking about right now. But that's a bit of an anomaly. Uh, that's what I'm saying. That's yeah. the other example yeah. of the of maybe a team without okay. the guy of guys. Okay, yeah. actually, you know, winning. Gotcha. So put that on your office. It would almost be, regardless of what team you root for, wouldn't it be nice to see a team like that do something dramatic? Yeah, I I think everybody can get behind that. Some people thought the Raptors last year were sort of that, but they did have Kawhi. I mean... Who was the best player on the floor in that final series. He was. Yep. So I would like... Regardless of uh, any kind of rooting interest, it, it sure would be heartening to see a team win the darn thing. So, uh, what happened? Nothing. What? Well, it's just some some funny. You don't tweet. So you on, get online it. back and forth going with, on with who? With with Austin and me. What do you, What did he say? What's the name of that character, Mike? Mike Wazowski. Yeah, that's right. All right, we'll have more coming up next. Oh, we're leaving our listeners hanging here. No, they know who Mike Wazowski is. I don't. Who is he? He was in a movie. He was a character in a movie. A pretty famous movie. Okay, a movie what, that has sequels. What movie? I've seen the sequel. Uh, Monsters, Inc.? Monsters, Inc. was the original. The sequel was Monsters University. That's right. That's and right. it was a prequel. It was a prequel. And it was okay. dang good. Was he dressed in I thought gr- it was, was good, too. Was he dressed too. in green? Is that, was it, was... Yeah, yeah. And He's not dressed in green. And then I, I... He is green. He is green. Like you. You are green. <laughs> and then I... Uh, I and tweet. I'm green with envy. Austin and I have been going back and forth with some, some green examples. Because Gordon is wearing a lot of green today. What, what do you got? What who do you, do you, who do you got on your list? Uh, let's see here. I've got this one. The Stanford tree. (laughs) The the Stanford tree. Uh, Austin Austin had this one. Kermit the Frog. With Kermit, which I I thought was pretty good. And then uh, let's see if I can find the other one. I did. uh, The other one I did was was Green Man from uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Uh See, the. And I've got also Mike Wazowski and the Grinch, as Jake yeah. said once. So it's fun. Oh wait, I just oh. thought of one. Hold on, I'll, I'll get to that one in the break. All right, join us on Twitter. We'll have more coming up next at Jake Scott Zone at Austin Horton. You can follow Gordon at Gordon Monson, but 
he's not really part of the just fun. Don't, just don't have uh, the weather on at the same time. You won't be able to see it. We'll have more straight ahead. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.